invite you at this time to open your Bibles to the book of Colossians, and we're going to continue on our verse-by-verse study of Colossians. And right now we're in the midst of a series that deals with the family, Christian living in the home, as we've called it. And right now we're looking at the whole notion of children and parents and the responsibilities they have and before God and to one another. We've looked at wives in verse 18. We've looked at husbands in verse 19. And today we're going to look at children and fathers or parents in verses 20 and 21. But before we actually read the verses and talk about them, let me just give you a summary of what the book of Proverbs says about a foolish child. Or a synonym for a foolish child in Proverbs is a disobedient child. Here's a summary of Proverbs on that matter. Listen carefully, children and parents. A foolish child in Proverbs is a grief to his mother. A foolish child in the book of Proverbs is a rebel toward his father. A sorrow toward his father. A disaster or destruction toward the father. A disgrace to his parents. A user of his parents. It's not a very pretty picture at all of what a foolish child is in light of their parents and what their parents require and what God would require. Let me ask you, if you are a Christian here today, and if you're a child, is that what you desire? Is that what you want? Do you want to be a foolish child and be the greatest disappointment in your parents' entire life? Do you want to be a foolish child in God's eyes? No, you don't want to do that, do you? Absolutely not. Not if you claim to be a Christian and you're a child. Or let me ask you parents who are Christians and you have children. Do you want your children to be foolish children and be all that the Proverbs would say about a foolish child? Well, obviously, again, if you're a Christian and you're a parent, you'd say, no, that's not what I want. My greatest longing as a parent would be that my child would be a godly child and one day, Lord willing, come to know Christ. And if you're a child here today and you're a Christian child, well, that's your desire too, isn't it? That I'm a Christian and I want to be godly and I want to do what God wants me to do because I'm a Christian and I want to please Him. And the good news is, today we're going to be in Colossians 3, and we're going to find some instruction from God. Instruction from God to you Christian children, personal, real life, to help you to become a godly child, so that you're not playing the part of the fool. And for you Christian parents, instruction, help comes to you from Colossians, so that you're not raising this child in a way that would not honor the Lord. So I think we can, by God's grace, avoid the tragedy of the proverbial child from a parent's vantage point and from a child's vantage point and say, God, help us. We want to learn what you say about childhood, obeying parents. We want to learn about what you say about parents and what we're to do with our children so that we would please you in all of this. First, there's a command in verse 20 to children. Let's go ahead and read it. It says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Notice there's a command and there's an explanation there. Notice also in verse 21, Fathers, here's the command, do not exasperate your children. And here's the reason. So that they will not lose heart. I love it that God gives us motivations. He doesn't just say, parents, do this. Period. He could, but He tells us why. And He doesn't say to Christian children, children, do this without an explanation. He gives us an explanation there, and we'll unpack all of that as we go. But I certainly appreciate that. Let's start with children, and let's make this real personal. Let's not leave this in uh, the early church in the city of Colossae, you know, blow the dust off. Certainly was an interesting history lesson. No, the eternal God of the universe wrote this book for us to benefit from. 
We, we hear in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is, is profitable. Well, we're going to look at some Scripture today that is profitable for you if you're a Christian child. How many of you children would claim to be Christian children? Not very many. Any more hands than that? Yeah. I bet a lot of you would claim to be Christian children. So this is a, a passage in the Bible that's spe- specifically and especially for you. How about Christian parents? How many claim to be Christian parents? Hopefully a lot of you. Well, yeah, this is all for us to learn about what God says about these things. But let's start with children. This is a true children's sermon, right? This is children's church. This is for you guys, at least the first half. Notice the command, children. You can put your name right in there. Children, Johnny, Lisa, Sally, whatever it would be, whatever your name is, be obedient to your parents. Pretty straightforward, right, kids? Hard to do sometimes, right, kids? Yeah. But we have all the youth saying, Amen, Pastor. It's tough. But we're called to obey our parents. That means to do what they say. The word used for children here is a general word. It could be used for all different kinds of children. But I take it in this context, it's for children who live at home or children who are of a childlike kind of age that are accountable to their parents. There's a pretty good question that comes. Maybe some of you kids are asking, when do I stop being considered a child? And when am I out of this thing where I don't have to obey my parents? Well, I hope you're always going to respect your parents. That would be biblical. But as far as obeying them under Colossians 3.20, I would take it when you either leave your home or when you're no longer of a childlike kind of age or an adult. Especially, and some people would want to say this qualifies for life. I would disagree with that because of passages like Genesis 2. What does a man do? He leaves his father and his mother and he cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. Now we have a new family entity. I don't take it that that child is under the authority of their parents anymore. I certainly want to talk to my parents and get wisdom and learn from them. But I would take this applies to you Christian children when you're in your homes, when you're under your parents' authority. And notice what it says. It says, be obedient. We've talked about this several times when we talk about wives, husbands, children. We'll talk about it when we talk about fathers. All of these commands are in what's called the present tense. That means it's a habit. This means what you always do. You should always obey your parents. It's not a once a week thing, a once a month. Most of the time, 50-50, obey your parents, it says, all the time. It's a present imperative. Now, what's very interesting about that word for obey there, it's actually one word in the Greek language. It comes from the same word that means to listen. My parents are writing that one down. (laughs) It comes from the same idea and the concept and the same word as as the word for listen. You can't obey without listening, right? And it only makes sense that that Greek word even has within it the word to listen, to hear. Originally, the word for obey had to do with hearing someone knock at the door. It's this picture. And you would hear the knock and you would run to the door to hear what the person wanted. And so, Christian children, that's the picture of what your life is supposed to be with your parents. You hear the knock, you hear your parents asking for something, and you should listen because you want to obey. You want to do what they say. And that's the portrait of a godly child from what we've seen so far. It implies listening. So even though you look in your Bibles and it doesn't say children, uh, listen to and obey your parents, it might as well have. You have to listen to. And I know that's important. It's important, right, parents? How are they going to obey if they don't listen? Um, We have to have children listen. And children, if you're going to obey, you have to listen. It implies that. Now notice it does say who you're supposed to obey. It's your parents. Um, Now it's true we all have to obey the government according to Romans 13. Uh, Hebrews tells us we obey church leaders. There are other authorities we obey. But here it's children obey your parents. Pretty straightforward, right? Now I hope some of you are thinking this morning, some of you kids, and are saying, 
what are the limitations here? I mean, I, where does it end? Do I have to obey him in everything? Or, or what's, what's, my, what's the extent here? Well, I'm glad you asked, even if you didn't. Because it goes on to say in verse 20, if you look with me, it says, in what? All things. Oh, I had to underline that one. You might have to do that too. Obey your parents, not in most things, in some things when I feel like it, when it's not too early in the morning. Obey your parents in all things. Uh, that's what God is calling you to do as a Christian child. You say, what does this include? All things. Now, I think we're begging the question a little bit, but how about household duties? All things. Attitudes? All things. Homework? All things. Going to church? All things. Not hanging around certain people? All things. Going to certain places or not going to certain places? All things. Music? Clothes? Piercing? Right? All things. It says all things. And if your parents tell you to do something or not to do something, they can whip out this passage, let me tell you, and they can tell you what God says. And guess what, Christian children? You don't need to pray about it. You need to pray. That's a good thing. But you don't need to pray about what God's will is for your life in relationship to your parents. <laughs> because you don't need to pray because God's already said. No praying needed, right? You may need to pray for your own heart <laughs> to make sure you can do this with a good attitude. But it, it, God has spoken. We don't need to pray about it anymore. It says, children, obey your parents in all things. I know the parents are getting all excited, but you're going to get your dose too, okay? Uh, parents will get theirs. Just relax, kids. Now, at this point, after I even said things like music, clothes, and piercing, you're really bummed, right? And you're thinking, yeah, Christian child is thinking, my life is over. You know, I hope the rapture happens soon because I have nothing more to live for. I mean, I have to obey him in everything? Life? is over. And let me tell you, children, I would say you're exactly right. If the God who is the God of creation, the God of the universe, the God who is the foremost expert in all relationships because he created all people with relationships, is wrong. If he's wrong, your life is over. <laughs> it's lights out because you have to obey these parents. But you know what? That's not true, is it? I would like to say your life is just beginning if you're a Christian. And it's just beginning to have real significance. And it's just beginning to have true purpose and true guidance. Because now, if you're a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again, clean slate, and now you're ready to do what God wants you to do. And what could be more fulfilling? Yes, it's hard to obey sometimes because we all have to obey someone. But now you can do what God wants you to do. This God who knows everything. I get pretty excited about that. And say, yeah, I, I want to do what God wants me to do. I remind you once again, Colossians 3 is addressing Christian living in the home. You may not want to have any part of this because maybe you don't even claim to be a Christian young person. And then you have bigger problems, right? Absolutely. That's even a harder position to be in. You haven't had your sins forgiven and you're going to die one day and go to hell forever and pay for them yourself? Which is easier? Fulfilling God's perfect plan for you as a child, which means obedience? I'll take that every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing would be, if you claim to be a Christian and you're a young person, you want to say, what's God's will for my life? Again, you don't need to pray about it. God already said, this is your, my will for your life. Obey your parents. Now, there's more involved, and I certainly hope you do pray again. But it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And here, you're in an interesting position. If you're a Christian young person, you have to decide, is God trustworthy? Does God know what he's talking about? Or not? And we all know the answer. Or you have to decide, I know, he, maybe you'll say, I know he knows what he's talking about. I mean, after all, look around, look what he did, look what he said. 
but I choose not to believe him, and I choose not to obey him. So it's, it's pretty serious to think through. This might be a, a good uh, a crossroads in your life to decide, am I going to follow God or not? Am I really a Christian? I really want to do what God's best is for my life. And I hope you're thinking along those lines. Now, here's a question you might have, young people. What if my parents aren't so godly? I mean, what if my dad and my mom or one or the other really isn't that godly of a person? Do I still have to obey them? I mean, maybe it'll work out where I'll obey if they're godly. But you know what? That's the wrong thinking. That's unbiblical thinking. We covered this when we dealt with wives and when we dealt with husbands. Because it doesn't go on to say, look at your Bible again, verse 20. It doesn't say in verse 20, children, be obedient to your, be obedient to your parents in all things when they are godly. It doesn't say that. It says, be obedient to your parents in all things. Your obedience and my obedience, if I'm a child, has nothing to do with my parents' godliness or not. Thought about that? Now, let me say, I hopefully, hopefully you understand that based on what the verse says. However, maybe this will help you, children. Your parents are accountable to God. They will answer for their godliness or lack thereof. Now, I hope you're on your parents' side and you do want your parent to be godly. And you're not going, yeah, they'll get theirs. You better watch that. <laughs> That's not a good attitude. You want to love your parents. But do know that you're responsible to God to obey God. And that means obeying your parents. But do know that your mother and your father will stand before God and they will give an account. And that may just help you sometimes have a little bit more motivation. Now, let me just give a few preliminary words to the parents about the children's responsibilities. I'm not getting ahead of myself here. Children, if you want to you know, just kick back and relax, this isn't for you, but feel free to listen. But let's talk to parents just for a minute about what I've already told your, your children to do. Obey, that's what the Bible says. They're called to obey you regardless, as a matter of fact. I hope you don't hold that over their head. We'll talk more about that. But know this. You have an influence on your children. You're going to tell them to do certain things and to not do other things, and you're going to have a huge impact on them. You're going to affect that child's life, and they're never going to be the same as a result of it. That's pretty weighty. That's pretty serious. It causes me to say, God, I want to be a godly man. Because I am going to have an impact. And God gave me this child as a gift to, to have a stewardship to take care of and to raise them. And I'm going to answer for that. I'm motivated. I want to be godly. Another important thing would be the fact that they're called to obey you in all things. Again, there's pressure there. You're going to tell them whatever they need to do, whatever you think. You better have your, your wisdom cap on instead of telling them wrong things. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me. He's talking about as I follow Christ. You, you imitate me. Can you do that, fathers? Can you do that, mothers? You should be able to. I should be able to. I should be able to take uh, my son Jonathan or my daughter Natalie, who maybe wouldn't understand because she's so small, and I should be able to say, Jonathan, if you want to be a godly young man, a young boy, do just whatever I do. That's what the Apostle Paul did. That's the example. You just follow me. You watch me and you're going to see that I'm a man committed to prayer. You're going to see that I'm a man that's committed to God's Word. I'm a man that's committed to loving your mother sacrificially. You just do what I do and you'll be godly because I'm following Christ. Yeah, we're starting to feel like you know, spiritual you know, small ants right now, aren't we? Because that's maybe not reality. But we should be able to. We should be living those godly lives so we can do that. That really is our goal. Let me say one more thing to parents about your child's role. 
And that is children in Colossians 3 are called to obey you. Obey you. That assumes what? That assumes you are the leader. Uh, Biblical parenting is not parenting by democracy. Let's take a vote. What does everybody want to do today? Obey or not? Do this or not? I mean, we've totally gotten away from that, it seems, in our culture. We moved away and it's just pretty much everyone has their say. Let's take a vote and then that's how we'll live our lives. Now, certainly, I hope you ask their, your kids once in a while where they would like to eat or what they would like to eat or where they would like to go on vacation. And I mean, I hope there's some input and good communication in your family. But remember, the bottom line is God's going to hold you accountable because they're to obey you. That assumes you're the leader. And so you need to lead. I think we've gotten it kind of backward. Uh, men and women, mothers and fathers don't lead. It seems as if the children run the whole deal. It's what sports I want to play, when I want to play them, where I want to go, when I want to go there. And somehow the parent drives. <laughs> That's what happens. Interesting. Listen to what Sir Edward, one-time Duke of Windsor, said about America. He said, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. Wow. What a commentary. What a wake-up call maybe for us. He wrote that. He lived between 1895 and 1977. It's probably even intensified. You just look around, and it's just all run by whatever our kids would ever want to do. And I hope I help my kids do certain things they want to do. But ultimately, I'm going to answer to God for it. Children, obey your parents. That means you're leading, and I'm leading. Well, more to you parents later. <laughs> let's come back to children. Wake up now, kids, if you're a Christian child, and let's talk a little bit more. Let me ask you this question. Is there any time ever, is there going to be a time when your parents tell you to do something when you shouldn't do it? I mean, after all, we just said, it says, children, obey your parents. I didn't say it. The Bible said, obey your parents in all things. Is there ever an exception? I think the answer to that is yes. It may be pretty complicated, depending on your age and how you could ever disobey your parent. But we do know that if your parent were ever to command you to sin or forbid you from doing something God commands, there is a place for following the higher law, as we call it when we talk to wives, And I'm I'm going to give you the assignment to do this. I won't look it up. We looked at it before. But Acts chapter 4, I'll let you find the verses. And Acts chapter 5, talk about, we see an example of that higher law principle where Peter said, they told Peter to stop preaching, and Peter said, we will obey God. We will not obey men. And I think that's legitimate for you young people to say, if, if your parents ever commanded you to do something that is black and white sinful, you would have to say, I want to obey you, but I can't do that. But let me give you a word of warning. Make sure it's black and white. Right? I mean, if they tell you, you cannot believe in Jesus Christ. Some of you have unbelieving parents. What are you going to do? The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You believe in Jesus Christ and you get saved. Or you're going to go to hell forever. I mean, don't say, well, I obeyed my parents. That's a command. You take the higher road, right? What if they say, don't pray. You're not allowed to pray in this house. Well, try to obey. Go outside. I mean, is the, is the garage okay, Dad? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> now, let me say, as I'm saying all those kinds of things, Peter, when he chose to disobey the government, even though Peter was one who said we're supposed to obey the government, he chose to disobey the government because they were telling him to do something God commanded. But know this, young people, when Peter did that, Peter did suffer consequences. He knew it, and he took the consequences. So sometimes there's cost involved for you obeying God. Again, more and more complicated the younger you are. And there may, let me use an example, a bad example. Maybe the 
the junior high or maybe the, the, the high schoolers, I don't know, whoever. There's a youth outing at church on Friday night. And you really want to come. And maybe your unbelieving parent or your believing parent says, I don't want you to go. Don't pull this one out and say, Acts 4 and Acts 5, I've got to obey God and not man. And it's at church. Call the pastor, Dad. <laughs> I'm not going to defend you. Because <laughs> that's not black and white. Uh, there's a big difference, I think, between that and what your parent wants you to do and between actually obeying black and white commands of Scripture that say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as opposed to go to the youth outing, right? Uh, make sure it's black and white, sin or not sin, before you try to pull the Acts 4 and Acts 5, okay? Um, important. But do know that there is a time. And that's why later when you're an adult and you can leave your home, and there may come a time where you'll need to do that and you'll need to turn your back from your parents because they're not believers. And Jesus talks about that in the Gospels. You can read about that. And you have to follow Christ above anyone else. But again, you can't just, you know, as a six-year-old or however old you are, if you're not an adult, you can't just get up and leave and say, I've got to follow Jesus. Um, don't come to my house because <laughs> that's illegal. Um, and so you're going to have to put up with the parent. You're going to pray for the parent. Maybe God's going to use you by your obedience to that unbelieving parent to have them come to know the Lord someday. So hopefully you understand the, the, the basic thrust of the passage. It's obey your parents in all things. Obviously, according to Acts 4 and 5, unless they're commanding you to sin, but yet you are to obey them. Now, if you're a child, or this includes everyone, because all of us have been children at one point in time or not, whether you want to admit it or not, we've all been children or are children. What's, what seems to be a child's favorite question to ask? Why? In one word, we all smile and we're all guilty of it, even if we don't like it when our children say it. That's just what we do. We question things. We say, why? And I think this right here is proof that God understands children, because He anticipates the question, Why? And he's going to give us an answer why. And we find that in the explanation of the motivation in verse 20. Read with me if you would. He says, here's why. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, maybe that's not the answer you were looking for, but that's God's answer. Why do you do this? Because it's pleasing to me. It's what's right. It's what satisfies God. And that's why. That's the answer. It brings him pleasure. Time for a test. Okay, kids? Two questions in this test. Question number one. Answer as honestly as you can. You don't have to say it out loud. Keep it to yourself. Question number one. If you claim to be a Christian, let me ask you, are, are you living a Christian life? Are you obeying the Bible? Are you obeying Jesus? Are you doing what Jesus wants you to do? How are you doing in that area? Are you doing okay? I bet a lot of you would say yes. I hope a lot of you say yes. Next question. Are you obeying your parents? How are you doing there? When your parents ask you to do something, it's time to go now. Uh, it's time to go to bed now. It's time not to do that anymore. Uh, are you obeying your parents? Now, if you answered yes to the first one and no to the second one, guess what? You're not really telling the truth and being honest with yourself on the first one. Why? Because you can't be God living a godly life and a Christian life if you're not obeying your parents. Somehow we want to make a spirit, well, one spiritual. I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying before bedtime. I'm really spiritual. But I'm not obeying my parent. But that's okay because that's not spiritual. No, it's a command of the Bible as clear as the command to pray, right? They're equal. And so I have to come to grips with the fact that even if I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible, which is great, that's wonderful, even if I'm sharing with my friends at school about who Jesus is and what He's done, but I'm not obeying my parents... I'm not really living the life I'm called to live. I'm still called to obey my parents, and they're equally important. Does that make sense? We may not like that. It may make us uncomfortable, but that's okay. 
Because sometimes we need to be uncomfortable and open God's word and say, yeah, God, change my life. That's why I'm here. So I hope that's happening. Maybe it'll help you, you children, to know that everybody obeys somebody. Does that help? That helps me to know that, you know, I'm called to obey certain people, but so is everyone else. You're called to obey your parents, but I'm called to obey the government, Romans 13. I'm called, according to the book of Hebrews again, to obey church leaders. I'm called to obey Christ, and we're all called to obey Christ. So we all submit to someone, and we all obey someone, so that makes it a little bit easier. Um, That certainly helps me. We're called to obey our employers. We're going to see that next week. Adding to this reasoning is Ephesians 6, 1. You don't need to turn there, but it's the parallel passage. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. May not have been the answer you're looking for either. Why? Well, because God says, and He gets pleasure from it. And why? Because it's right. It's the right thing. It's right because it's what God says, and it's right because He knows what's best for for you as a child and as a young person. That's the only verse in the Bible that my son Jonathan, who's three, knows. That's a good one to start with, isn't it? <laughs> but he doesn't, even, he doesn't have it quite right. He doesn't understand the in the Lord part. So he says, I say, Jonathan, children. And he says, obey your parents for it is, and he says, right. Now he misses the in the Lord part and he probably doesn't understand why we would say that, but that's his rendition. Obey your parents in the Lord for it is right. I think that's good. At least he has it memorized. A little bit harder to do it. Now, some of you children might say, this is, this is not exactly fair. I mean, I know we all obey someone, but I obey my parents. I don't know about this. But before you start complaining about it, let me remind you what happens in the Old Testament to disobedient children. Ouch, you know? I, I won't even read the verses because I don't even want to cause you to be that terrified. But listen to what the Old Testament would say. Just jot these verses down. Parents are going, yeah, I want to look at these. <laughs> Let me see. I can hold this above my child's head. If this were the Old Testament, I'm going to write down Exodus 21, verse 17, and Leviticus 20, verse 9. And guess what happened, or what could happen to disobedient children in the Old Testament? You know? Dead. You could, you could die. It's such a serious thing. You could be stoned. Uh, Not a good thing at all. So I say, praise God for the fact that we are in the New Testament plan of God. I might not be here this morning if we weren't, right? We all get saved out of a sinful background, and uh, we're all living proof of that. And you say, well, I'm thankful that God is showing His grace in an extra, extra gracious way in this age. Children, obey your parents in all things. Even if you children are pretty much, you know, you've understood that, I think you do, and you're saying, enough. Maybe you're not even liking it. I imagine there are a lot of parents here this morning that are. I mean, you're saying, I've got it, Pastor, in all things. I'm gonna, that's going to be my verse of the month, verse of the year. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to be able to say to my young person, the Bible says, obey your parents in all things. You've got this down, even if your child doesn't. I heard someone say after the morning message, she said, I'm getting that tape because if my son doesn't listen to me, maybe he'll listen to you and I'll play the tape for him. And I thought, poor kid. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But uh, parents, I, well, my point is, I think you're probably understanding this. You're getting it. But we need to be careful. This is not giving us some type of license uh, so we can mistreat our children, to be harsh with our children, to try to break their little tender spirits. And yes, they do have that. They're not adults. And I think that's the reason why we need to make sure we care for them and we're careful. That's why we don't only have verse 20, we also have verse 21. 
And so before you get too excited and too fired up, parents, about disciplining your children and telling them to obey, let's make sure we do so carefully. And that can be done by looking at verse 21. It says fathers here, and I've already alluded to the fact that I think you could say parents. First of all, in Hebrews 11, the same exact word is translated parents in my English translation. The other thing would be, even though it's translated fathers, and I think that's a good way to translate it, we always know that mothers are involved. The book of Proverbs talks about parenting not only from a father's perspective, but also from the mother's. We know the father's ultimately responsible as the head of the home, and I take it that's why he's saying fathers. But you can assume it means fathers and mothers. But guys, let me make sure you remember that's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, You are the one who's being addressed here primarily, although it would include your wife, but you'll be responsible. Notice the command there, fathers, mothers, do not exasperate your children. I think the New International says embitter, and again it's present tense, and again it's a command. This is to be the pattern of your parenting. Do not embitter them. Do not exasperate them. Another way to translate it is irritate them. Now, I understand there's a certain way you can irritate them by just calling them to do what God says. But there's another sense in which you could irritate them constantly and ongoingly to the point where they're, uh, they're embittered. They're exasperated. I will note, if you have a King James translation, some of you do, that uh, they added uh, the statement there that says, Do not provoke your children to anger. To anger, those two words come from Ephesians 6, but they're not in Colossians 3 in the better manuscripts. And that's for free. It only applies to you who are interested in if you have that translation. It's a good translation, but it adds those words here. It borrows them from Ephesians 6.4. Now, what's this all about? Embitter, exasperate. Let's do a little bit more work here so we can understand what God wants. Well, it's not wrong to discipline your children. We're going to see that you have to if you're going to be a godly parent. So what is this idea of not uh, embittering them, not exasperating them? I think it's generally speaking of this unreasonable exercise of authority. God has given you authority. He's called you to be the leader. But you're not to use it in an unreasonable way and have some kind of power trip authority thing. You're an adult. They're not. You're not equals in that sense. You're not to treat them like you would another adult. You're to care for them. You're not to expect more than you should. What we say, and we're parents... And you're called to obey us. And it might hurt you. Or it might hurt your brother or sister. Or it might hurt someone. Just don't run in the house. And it's a rule. Another rule we have is you're to be in bed by such and such a time. That's a family rule. Don't try to find some Bible verse that talks about lights or darkness or something strange. Be honest. We have rules in this church. We would say the rule would be don't run in the auditorium. That's a rule. We have a rule that says don't let young people, unless they're being taught or aided, play instruments. But let's not get some Bible verse out in the Psalms that talks about instruments and you know, make it a biblical issue. It's not. It's just a rule. And it's okay to have rules. You're going to have to have rules. Uh, but don't make them biblical. I would also say, to avoid this idea of legalism and uh, not exasperating them, finally, I would say, you know, at least be reasonable with your rules. You don't need to create these rules just to show, I'm, I know you, everybody to know that I'm the boss. I want my kids to remember that I'm in charge here. Not impressive. Um, You're called to be the leader. You need rules. Make sure they're reasonable. Um, And obviously you're going to need help there from God to know what's reasonable and what's not reasonable. In prayer, and I would entrust the book of Proverbs to you, you'll learn a lot of principles about godly parenting. I'd entrust the book of Proverbs to you children. You'll learn a lot of things, a lot of things that talks to children in there and how to be a godly child. 
Well, let's move on to the explanation or the motivation. Here's why we're not to exasperate our children. Verse 21, if you look with me, so that they will not lose heart. So they will not lose their spirit, human spirit, their courage, so they will not lose heart. Yes, it's okay to expect a lot from your children, but you don't want to be this constant weight and burden that will break them and cause them to lose heart. I think we've already alluded to those things already. You don't want them to despair. You don't want them to resign. I give up. I could never do it for you, Dad. Someone used the illustration of a twig and someone who's going to make some kind of craft, some kind of bowl or, or perhaps a pot, and they're going to use twigs. And, and what do you do to make the pot? You just go, snap. No, you don't do that. If you're going to form and shape some piece of art out of twigs, what are you going to do? You're going to be careful. The way you bend it, you're probably going to bend it slowly and progressively until it'll actually form a circle or whatever shape you need to form out of that twig. That's a pretty good picture of what we want to do with children. You have them for 18 years, and it's not going to be perfection. Snap. Because they're going to snap. You can expect a lot discipline, but what are you trying to do? You're trying to mold them and you're trying to shape them into what God would want them to be according to God's Word. And what's our goal after all? To show them how much power we have? (laughs) No. My goal as a Christian parent is to train them in the ways of the Lord, to model godliness for them, and Lord willing, one day they will embrace the same faith that God has given me to embrace. That's our goal. We need to remember our goal. I think it's also important, this whole idea of not exasperating our children so they will not lose heart. It's important to remember in light of the fact that you parents are called to discipline your children. As a Christian parent, I'm called to discipline my children. But we don't hear these commands to discipline or instructions to discipline somehow isolated from care and concern and this uh, warning to not exasperate them. But we are called to discipline. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4, you don't need to go there, but it says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, we could take that out of context, though, and say, see, I'm to discipline my children. But not out of context. I'm still supposed to be caring, and I don't want to break them. Disciplining your children also involves using what the Bible calls the rod. That's important to know but yet keep it in context of Colossians 3 also. Let's go ahead and see that. Some parents might not even be aware of that. Proverbs. Why don't you go ahead and turn to Proverbs. This morning we started by reading a psalm, and if you can relocate the book of Psalms, Proverbs is one book just to the right. Proverbs 22 is where I'd like you to turn. and This is not an in-depth study on everything the Bible says about parenting, but since we're on this subject, and I know enough of you are new enough in the faith or new enough in your spiritual growth that maybe we need to see what the Bible says about this briefly. And then come back and to say, you use the rod, but not to hurt someone. You use the rod for discipline, but it's all in the context of not breaking them, according to Colossians 3. Proverbs 22.15, it says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, the rod of discipline is used there in all these different passages as a tool for wisdom. Notice there's foolishness bound up, and what's going to bring about wisdom? It's going to, the rod is going to bring about wisdom. Go to Proverbs 23.14. Proverbs 23.14. And again, the sad thing is, here's two sad things. The sad thing is, some parents want to say, I'm not going to do that. And I've heard it said, I've heard one person say, uh, well, I did that to my children when they were growing up, but knowing what I know now, I certainly wouldn't. Now, at best, that's arrogant, At worst, that's blasphemous. 
Because that's sitting on the throne where God sits. This is what God says. So some parents choose to say, I'm not going to do that. Some parents on the opposite side of the extreme, and it's just as unbiblical, say, I'm going to do that, all right. And they use it as some kind of license for abusing their children. And that is just as unbiblical as the other. That's wrong. Because there's this whole concept of Colossians 3 and doing it with the right attitude. Even in Proverbs, you find the right attitude. We're not looking at those verses now. It's always with the intention, yeah, I'll say yes to pain, no to harm. You're not trying to break them. You're trying to shape them and form them. And let's go ahead and read in Proverbs 23 more about this. I couldn't help but make sure you understood that. Verse 14, You shall strike him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol or death. See, again, discipline is going to protect from harm. Uh, Proverbs 29, one more passage. Toward the, end of, toward the very end of Proverbs. Proverbs 29, 15. This one is very interesting. I printed this one out for Molly this weekend. I thought, this is interesting. Proverbs 29:15. The rada and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. That's one for the fridge. A um, child who gets their own way brings shame to his mother because they're showing that they're not willing to obey their parent. And they win. The parents are not even doing their role, functioning their way. I want to bring those to your attention because the Bible does talk about discipline in this way for children. But it doesn't do so in isolation. It doesn't do so in isolation. We do have Colossians 3. We do have other passages. You don't discipline your child to hurt them. You discipline your child to teach them wisdom with a goal toward helping them to be wise. Very, very important. So let's go back to Colossians 3 and reread that passage. And reread Colossians 3 in light of what we saw regarding Proverbs and the discipline and the rod. It says in verse 21, Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Do not let them lose heart by what you do. Calm, that's how you discipline. Loving, that's how you discipline. Caring, that's how you discipline. Why? Because you're trying to show them you have all kinds of power. Why? Because you're trying to to have an outlet. If that's the case, you're in sin and you're totally wrong. Because you're trying to help them learn wisdom so they don't hurt themselves. And so they learn wisdom. Well, we need to wrap all of this up, and I'm going to do that just by way of reminding children, obey your parents, really straightforward. And if you're a Christian child and you claim to be a Christian, then there's really nothing to be said. It's, okay, God, I need your help. I'm going to pray about this because I know I need to do it, but I want to do it because I want to be godly. Christian parents, make sure you do so with the uttermost care. You get your 18 years. Right? Hopefully most of you will. Hopefully all of you will. But you want your 18 years to influence that child so that they can know right and wrong and they can know wisdom and they can make good decisions. That's what wisdom is about. But you're not trying to hurt them. You're trying to produce a responsible, godly individual who by God's grace will perhaps one day get saved. I'm going to read something for you. I need to give a quick disclaimer. I wouldn't say that I agree with absolutely everything in it, but you'll understand. You'll get the gist of it. And I think this will be a good way to end. It's a good instruction point for you children and it's a good instruction point reminder for you parents. It's called the meanest parents in the world. We had the meanest parents in the whole world. 
While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had Pepsi and Twinkies for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess our parents fixed us dinner that was different from other kids too. Our parents insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in a prison. They had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. They insisted that if we said we were going to be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but they even had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think they would lay awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. They always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, they could read our minds. It was really tough. They wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so that we could meet them. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait till we were 18. Because of our parents, we missed out on lots of things other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or even arrested for a crime. It was all their fault. We never got drunk, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church. We never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night at someone's house on Saturday. Here's the conclusion. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents just like our parents were. (laughs) After all, the world just doesn't have enough mean parents anymore. That's kind of a cute story, but you think, yeah, that's good. It encourages me as a parent to say it might be hard when I'm down in, the, down in the ditch, so to speak, and working, and they're young, but I hope and pray that someday that child will come back and say, thank you for doing that. And children, I know it's next to impossible to imagine. I've been there. But yet, think long term, think I'm a Christian child, I want to do the godly thing, and 18 years... Isn't that long, <laughs> if I could say that. And then you're free. And I certainly appreciate what had to happen to me for the first 18 years. Well, good instruction from God's Word. Instead of closing in prayer this morning myself, I'm going to ask Todd Swift to come up and he's going to pray for us. He's going to pray for us parents that we would be more godly and pray for us young people that we would be godly. And the reason I'm going to have Todd come and pray is because he's pretty new to the church in one way. He's old in another way. Uh, he was at the church back in 1992. And in 1992, 93, he met his wife Laura here. Um, they were married and then they went to the Master Seminary. Um, and Todd graduated from the Master Seminary a year after I did. has been pastoring in Montana and has been with us just for the last couple of months uh, helping out here. And Todd said, I want to come to Omaha because of all the things God is doing. And uh, God has burdened my heart that if I could do anything for the rest of my life, I would like to come and be a part of what's going on there. And so I praise God. I had to wipe the tears off and say, I'm praising God for that uh, because I couldn't have asked for someone who could help us at our time right now like Todd. And so Todd's going to pray for uh, our message and pray for us. But the reason he's up here is because I want all of you to know that he's the one teaching the IBS class next quarter. Um, The Holy Spirit, Christ and the Holy Spirit. There's a sign-up. It's in the back. I want you to sign up for that class Wednesday nights for about an hour and 15 minutes. Great class. Uh, You want to take advantage of that. 
Uh, I think God is really going to use that in the life of our church. So be a part of that. Todd, pray for us. We're going to sing one more song, so let's go ahead and stand up as we close in prayer. Father God, it is so good for us to be here. There are so many profitable things that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gathered church that we can come and and learn of your word. That we can respond to it. Father, thank you so much for the desire that you place in our hearts. And then you fulfill those desires by showing us through your word how we can be those mean parents. Father, we know it is godly parents. Father, thank you so much for our kids and the fact that you can change their lives from the inside out. And then you can give them hearts that want to obey and that do obey. Father, we are encouraged to hear your word. We're encouraged to want to obey your word. Father, sometimes it's not easy, but yet we know it is so profitable for us to be here to listen and then respond. Father, it is right and it pleases you. Help us to always remember that. Father, help, even as Patrick said, Father, to model Christ. The goal is salvation. It starts at home, happens at church, and then happens in our community. So, Father, we just pray even today for salvation to be real in home, in this church, and also as we reach out and share your son with the lost world. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.